This is The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. David is the senior pastor of Calvary Chapel Casa Grande in Casa Grande, Arizona. You and I, as well as we as a church, as well as the work of missions that we send out from the church, have the responsibility of getting the message out. We have the message because of the hope of salvation that's within us. The Word of God speaks about be ready in season and out of season to give reason for the hope that's within you. The great tragedy is, for most believers throughout the church universal, for most believers, they have failed ever in sharing their faith with anyone. Pastor David will be exhorting you today to take personal evangelism more seriously. You have the message of Christ because of the hope of salvation that is in you. Do you regularly share the good news and proclaim Christ to the lost? The reason why God didn't take you to heaven once you got saved is because He desires to use you as a vessel to spread the good news to a lost and dying world. Jesus said, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. So, are you making disciples? Now, here's Pastor David with part one of our message entitled Divine Pedicure in the book of Romans, chapter 10, verse 13. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. You need to make, as an individual, that call. The death of Jesus Christ, though it covers the blood, or it covers the sin of the world, His blood covers the sin of the world, is still only effective upon those who call upon Him. Amen? People are not saved simply because Christ died. People need to call upon the Savior. Now, from that, we springboard into verse 14. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him on whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it's written, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. These words that Paul speaks in verse 14, speaking to those who call upon the name of the Lord. They cannot call unless they believe. They cannot believe unless they have heard. They cannot hear unless somebody has proclaimed the message. And they cannot proclaim the message until they are sent out. Paul here is using kind of a reverse progression of how the message goes out. In that reversal, the sending and the proclaiming need to take place first. Then people hear the message. Once they have heard the message, they are able to believe the message. And it's only at that point in time, once they believe that message and understand that the salvation is available to them, that men cry out to God. If they don't understand all of that, they don't understand, again, the mercy, the grace, the gift of God that's been given to them on their behalf. And the part and portion that we have as a church is in that bottom part of that sending and that proclaiming. This is the whole idea behind personal evangelism, that you and I, as well as we as a church, as well as the work of missions that we send out from the church, have the responsibility of getting the message out. We have the message because of the hope of salvation that's within us. The Word of God speaks about be ready in season and out of season to give reason for the hope that's within you. The great tragedy is, 
For most believers throughout the church universal, for most believers, they have failed ever in sharing their faith with anyone. And I dare say, if we went across the room this morning, and if you were very honest, and I'm not going to put you on that spot, and if I asked, have you ever shared your faith and the faith or the testimony of Jesus Christ with anyone outside of another believer, have you done that? I dare say that there's many within the room today that would not be able to raise their hand because for one reason or another, though they have the hope of salvation within them, though they know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, they have never taken the opportunity to share that truth with anyone. And beloved, we are called to be the evangels. We are called to proclaim the message of Christ to a lost and dying world. This word that he says there, How can they call unless they believe? How can they believe unless they hear? How can they hear unless there be a preacher? Well, in most of our versions, it speaks of preacher. But it's not just an individual, a preacher. It is a proclaimer, someone who declares the message. You might say, well, that's what we pay you pastors for. No, it's not. We're here to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. You see, we are here, yes, and we have that same responsibility in our neighborhoods, in our families, in our circles of influence. But there's people in your life that will never darken a church door. There's people in your life that you're the only Bible that they will ever read. That your life is the only gospel message that they will ever hear. My question to you this morning is, have they heard it? Have they heard it? The whole idea of commissioning and sending out. Jesus gave us that in Matthew chapter 28. After his resurrection, before his ascension, he met with his disciples and he says, all authority has been given to me, both in heaven and in earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Now it's interesting. He declares to them, all authority is mine, both in heaven and in earth. Jesus declaring that this authority was his, he's also spoken to the disciples that he transcends that authority to his disciples. That we now, with the power of God working and moving in our life, the power of the Holy Spirit working and moving in our lives, he says, now, go, therefore, because of that power that is available, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. How do we make disciples of all nations? By proclaiming the truth of the message of the gospel to a lost and dying world that's outside of these walls. He says, go and baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. You see, you don't do this on your own. As a matter of fact, for you and I to go and proclaim the message or to testify of the hope that's within us on our own strength, by and large, we will fall flat on our face. You know that. Some of you know that because you've tried it in your own power rather than being empowered by the Holy Spirit. And you get all embarrassed and you get flustered and your tongue gets tangled and, you know, making the words. You just get so confused. But, beloved, I'm going to tell you this morning that God's number one desire is that the message be made known to a lost and dying world. The method that he used for making that message known is through the testimony of those who have already heard it. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, just as I shared with you last week, our responsibility as believers is to proclaim that message to the world that's around us.
We, as the church, need to prepare those in order to be able to send them. That is the work of the church. For you to come in and sit and just enjoy a nice little Bible study, enjoy beautiful worship, and then go out through the week and just go ahead and do your own little thing and not ever be impacted by that message, then we are failing in our job. We as a church, the church in general, the church universal, the coming together of the saints is for the equipping of the saints for that work of ministry. And if you feel that this is just a nice little club to come on Sunday mornings or Wednesday nights to gather with like-minded people, to sing a few songs, to feel good about yourself and about your future and know that your security is set in, in heaven for all of eternity. And yet you go out these doors and you never, ever have a heart to share that with a lost and dying world. Then we are sorely missing the point in the work of ministry that we're doing here in this place. My challenge to you, just as Jesus commissioned his disciples, my challenge to you this morning is that this is your commissioning service, to go out and do the work of ministry that God has called for you and I to do as believers. Now, the lost have a responsibility too. The lost have a responsibility to hear it because unless they hear it, they will not be able to believe it. Once hearing and they understand what the message is, they come to a believing and understanding of, yes, Jesus Christ was real. He was true. He gave his life on Calvary. He was buried. He rose again on the third day. He stands with the Father right now. He made the payment for my sin. It's the responsibility of the believers to, or of the lost to believe that. And once they believe that, then they are responsible also to cry out to God, to ask, to receive what that gift of salvation is. You see, to just hear and to just believe. The Bible even declares that even the demons believe and they tremble. You see, it's much more than just believing. There is a step, a step of faith that the lost need to take also. Well, I love what Paul says here as he, as he moves through this thing, the calling and the believing, the hearing and the, the, the preaching and the sending. He says, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. So you see, this is the beginning of that divine pedicure right here. Okay, And I, I want you to understand, when he declares how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Do you think that Paul is here saying that only those with beautiful feet are the ones that, that preach the gospel? No, I don't, I don't think so. As a matter of fact, I could prove that to you today if I took my shoes off and you would know that that's not the case. No, the case is, is when we preach the gospel, how beautiful are the feet. In other words, as we bring the message, it says that there is a glory that comes about. And understand, he's not talking about a physical beauty in any way, shape, or form. In that, in that whole idea and the thought of that word, how beautiful are the feet. Again, how, how blessed, how enjoyable, how exciting it is to be able to receive that message. Those that are coming with that good news. You see, Paul, in the culture that he lived, particularly in that time frame, there was a lot of people that went around with sandals. In fact, that was pretty much the main course of transportation or foot 
care at that time. The roads were dirty. There were rocks. And to have beautiful feet at that time in a physical sense, you would have to be of the elite. You would have to be of the very upper class, the ones who were continually caring and babying, and they had people that would care for them. So no, it's not the physical beauty that we're speaking about. In fact, to get a better understanding of how this all works, we can go back to where Paul is referring from in Isaiah chapter 52, verse 7. Now, if you have your Bibles with you, you can stay there in Romans 10 because we will be back. But turn back to the Old Testament to Isaiah chapter 52. In Isaiah chapter 52, the whole process of things that are going on there with the captivity of Israel and, again, the the bondage that they are under, the imprisonment that they have, both of spirit at this point in time, as well as a physical imprisonment. Through all of chapter 52, Isaiah proclaiming about these things. And then he gets to verse 7. And Isaiah declares how beautiful on the mountains or the feet of him who brings good news, who proclaims peace, who brings glad tidings of good things, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. You know what? If you are imprisoned, if you are under bondage, you need to hear good news. You need to understand that the good news of salvation comes to you. You may be here this morning that you, and you may or may not even realize that outside of Christ, outside of faith and hope in Him, you are in bondage. You are in chains. You are imprisoned by your sin. And what Isaiah is speaking here, even as physically the children of Israel were imprisoned, he says, here comes one with a great message of good news that says, the victory is ours. The victory is ours. The battle is over. We have salvation at hand. And that whole idea that when I see one coming with that kind of a message, man, it is good to see it. It's good to hear it. It's good to receive it. And it's interesting that Isaiah speaks that of the one or the feet of him who brings good news. And Paul yet spins that around a little bit when he quotes it in Romans. And he says, how beautiful are the feet of them. Understanding and knowing that it is the message and the responsibility of the multitude of the church to be those that proclaim the good news. Continuing on in Isaiah, there in 52, Isaiah is still speaking about the captivity and all that's taking place, and he moves right into chapter 53. And in 53, beginning in verse 1, we read these words, Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He has no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Church, who is it that Isaiah is speaking of here? Jesus Christ himself. That's the good news. That Christ came. He was stricken by man. He was crucified by man. He took upon himself the sin 
of the world. Beloved, that is the good news of salvation. And Paul, in this whole message back now in Romans chapter 10, understands that when he says that not all have obeyed the gospel. That's why Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? The message has been declared. But they were not believing it. For Israel had heard the message time and time again, and yet they had not believed it. And when Messiah came, they rejected him. He says in verse 17, But faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. The word of God needs to continue to go out, continue to be proclaimed, because it's only as the word of God is proclaimed to a dark and dying world can the hearing actually take place. And only when the hearing takes place can believing take place. Only when believing take place can the calling out or the crying out to God take place. All of these are necessary things. And we as the church and as individuals who make up the church, our responsibility is to cry out to the nations. Our responsibility as the church is to broadcast the gospel to the world that's around us. You see, they're not banging the doors down. I don't know if you've noticed or not, but the lost don't stand in line to get into churches right now. But yet you and I interact with them all week long. You and I are the gospel to a lost and dying world. You and I are the hope of the message of Christ to the people of our families, of our neighborhoods, of our workplaces, of our schools, in every aspect of our lives. You and I are the proclamation of the gospel. Let me ask you, are they hearing it from you? In verse 18 and 19, Paul goes on, But I say, have they not heard? Well, yes, indeed, he says. Their sound has gone out to all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. But I say, did Israel not know? Well, of course they knew. It's kind of like there was an alarm that was going off. And they say that, I'm sorry, we didn't hear the alarm. And yet that alarm was through all of the ceremony, all the rituals, the the temple itself, the promise, the word of God, the law of God, the prophetic message from the prophets, the declarations of the fathers of the past that have spoken about the hope that's found in trust and faith in Jehovah God. And that alarm had been sounded to the children of Israel over and over and over and over again. And yet some have said, well, we didn't really hear it. He says, oh yes, the sound has gone out to all the earth and to the, and their words to the ends of the world. And then he says in verse 19, he says, but someone say, did Israel not know? It's kind of like, okay, I, I, I heard the alarm, okay, but I just didn't know what to do when I, once I heard the alarm. It would be like you and I sitting in a building that has a fire alarm. Suddenly the fire alarm goes off and we listen to the alarm and say, well, that's a loud, irritating bell. And we sit in our place. None of us would do that, would we? What would we do if we heard the fire alarm going out? We'd proceed to the closest exit. Because we knew if we stayed and doing what we were doing while the alarm was going off, that we risked destruction in our own life. And for Israel, the alarm bell had gone off for generation after generation after generation after generation. And when Messiah came as a fulfillment of all of that law, they rejected the truth. And because of that, they suffered greatly. 
They suffered the destruction of their nation. They, just, they suffered for all eternity those who rejected the Messiah, the hope that was found in him. But you see, it wasn't just the Jew. It was the Gentile only because it wasn't just the Jews that put Christ to death. No, the Gentiles were just as responsible for it. All of mankind was responsible for the death of Christ. And yet we are all benefactors of the death of Christ. What a strangeness that is. That we are all responsible because of our sin. And yet we are all benefactors because of His gift of salvation. There's actually no excuse for any of us to be able to, to, to have heard the message and not to have received it. For Israel, Paul goes on there in verse 19. He relays what Moses had already said. In verse 19 he says, First Moses says, I will provoke you to jealousy by those who are not a nation. I will move you to anger by a foolish nation. In essence, God was saying, Because you will not listen, I'll call the Gentiles. And now we are the benefactors of that. We are currently in what the Bible speaks as the time of the Gentiles. The time that the message is going directly to us, not by way of Israel. You see, Israel's responsibility as the receivers of all the blessings of God was to be the evangels. They were to bring out the message to the lost world around them. And yet they got very comfortable in religion. They got very comfortable in going through ritual. And beloved, unfortunately, it's very much like the church today. We are recipients of the message. We are recipients of the salvation and the blessings of God. And we get very comfortable in coming and having our little church clubs and our feel-good messages. And we do good to one another. And we take care of our own. And all the time, the world outside of us is dying and going into an eternity without Christ. And beloved, our responsibility is to proclaim the message. Paul goes on. He speaks also uh, the words of Isaiah. He says in verse 20, Isaiah is very bold and says, I was found by those who did not seek me. I was made manifest to those who did not ask for me. And again, Isaiah speaking, of the Lord speaking through Isaiah says to Israel, I'm going to reveal myself to those who didn't even seek me, who didn't even know about me where Israel had all the ritual, all the ceremony. Israel had the the heritage and the law and the word and the prophets. He says, I'm going to go from you and I'm going to go to a Gentile people who are so involved in such a multitude of, of pagan worship, a multitude of other things that don't even look to me. And I'm going to bring my message to them. And how does he do it, beloved? He did it initially by the word of angels on a hilltop outside of Bethlehem. But from that moment and from that time, from those shepherds going to that manger, and it says, and they left there rejoicing and declaring to everybody the things that they've seen. Oh, that's what we as the church need to be doing. That's the call that God has in our life, that we would move from this place and proclaim to a lost and dying world the reality of Jesus Christ, the hope of salvation, the love of God, the long-suffering and the patience of God and the mercy of God that He extends out. 
How does he extend it out? Well, we see it even in verse 21. To Israel, he says, All day long I've stretched out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. Let me ask you, did God stretch out his hands? You know he did. He stretched out his hands on the cross and he allowed us to kill the very Son of God who knew no sin, but who became sin on our behalf. God stretched out his hands to receive even a disobedient and a contrary people. But even now, as he's off the cross, and he's now risen from the dead, he's now standing with the Father, his hand still reaches out and declares to us that whoever would call upon him would be saved. Beloved, that's the message and that's the hope of the gospel that you and I, we have within our lives if you're a believer here today. We hope that today's edition of The Open Word has been a blessing to you. If you live in the Casa Grande, Arizona area, we want to invite you to join us for worship. The messages that you hear on The Open Word are produced from worship services at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande. Maybe the teaching you heard is exactly what you're looking for in a church. Then please join us. We have services on Saturday evenings and two Sunday morning worship services, as well as other services throughout the week. For more information about service times, including driving directions, log on to TheOpenWord.com and then follow the link to the church website. Now, we want to be sure to tell you how you can get a free copy of this teaching. Simply log on to TheOpenWord.com. Our website has today's message available for you to download. For more information about The Open Word or Calvary Chapel Casa Grande, again, we encourage you to log on to TheOpenWord.com. Although The Open Word teachings are always available to you free of charge, if you'd like to help support this ministry, simply log on to our homepage at TheOpenWord.com and click on the support link to make a secure donation to this teaching ministry. Your donation can be set up as a one-time or regularly scheduled tax-deductible gift to this ministry. From all of us here with the production team, we want to say thank you for tuning in, and may God richly bless you.